Well, I mean, I don't know. Are, we could get headsets before. <laughs> hookers and blow. <laughs> we talked about this. Hookers and blow for the show. <laughs> no. I'm not paying for your hookers or blow. Pay for your own. Get a job. Been out of school for a while now. Okay, shut up. It's time for you to move out and, and make it on your own. Blow is so out of fashion. I just read Criminal. I'm ready to try heroin. Yeah? Yeah. Let's just do it. That'll be a... Uh, uh, a uh, that podcast will never do first live live heroin <laughs> injections. Yeah, right. I can't afford to be. A, well, you know what? <laughs> I feel like. Well, well, there's always there's all these hobbies that like are expensive <laughs> unless they're kind of your only hobby. Like when, uh, when people did the MMO thing, right? Uh-huh. Like right. you just did MMO. So in theory, you're paying this this fee every month and it looks stupid but if you use it to wean yourself from like all other video games and hobbies and it's just the only thing that you do in your worthless life then it's it's a good bargain that you're spending like 25 bucks a month sure. right? so he said mmo and for some reason my brain processed both times mma and i was like <laughs> i guess that's kind of a hobby of sorts that, that too but it's more expensive yeah you gotta, um, you gotta pay your bookies you know so what I'm thinking about heroin is like, <laughs> if you replace everything else in your life with heroin, it could probably work out financially. Yeah. For, for the just, rest of your life. Yeah, you just need to like, you know, I'm not going to be watching movies anymore or anything. But We're coming into work. I'll be nodding. Or... <laughs> I'll be nodding. We're sleeping in my house. Making your own movies now. <laughs> <laughs> Choose life. Yeah. <laughs> You ever watch Requiem for a Dream? I already asked you. No, nah, yeah. not yet. A train spotting reference. <laughs> no, but uh, I've seen that one. Heroin as well. Yeah, no, I, I get it, dude. I'm just saying that you, your transition. I said choose life, and then no. you're like, did you ever see Requiem for a Dream? No. You make us sound like fucking amateurs here. No, 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 no. <laughs> Don't at me. I no, no. I wasn't adding you at all. I was asking Cody if he had seen it. At at Aura, he's the one who doesn't. He's the one who thinks Bruce Springsteen wrote fucking. That's true. We built this city. We built this city. <laughs> Famous. We built the city song. Oh, that, I mean, I don't think they know that yet, because I feel like that's, unless uh, we saved some of the good bits, I think that is locked away in our, like, funny folder right now. Oh, is that a dead one? I don't, I don't remember. I think I thought we, I, I thought I'd put it up. We, we probably let most of it ride. I'm sure we saved some. I think I was it's, editing at that been, point, and I certainly included it. It's been referenced to a couple of times That's as true. Well. <laughs> that's true. It's part of the canon now. Hello, listener. <laughs> Welcome to that podcast we'll never do, the... The podcast where we never let Aura forget mistakes that he's made. And now we have a new one. What are you, my wife? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, baby. I love you. Uh, I'm Josh, the mastermind of the heist. Uh, And with me is Cody, the The twitchy young gun. Yeah. And uh, Aura, the finger man. (laughs) Why couldn't I be the wheel man? Oh, the finger man. Oh. Do you really not want to be the finger man, Aura? No, no, I kind of do now. Ah, that's what I thought. <laughs> I thought you were the noir guy. <laughs> I want to be. Uh, I want to be uh, only appearing in a few pages Frank Kafka comic strip. Oh Jesus Christ! Is that the best thing in this fucking book? <laughs> And we're going to be talking about comics that we like this time. Spoiler. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We've been doing a lot lately, which is maybe not... Spoilers and curses. Um, mm. Well, yes, there are spoilers and curses yes. in this. Uh, but I'm also spoiling that we liked this. But I do want to say, as much as I liked Criminal, I, I would like an entire book of Frank Kafka far more. 
<laughs> well, it, it weaves through the rest of his stuff. I know, okay. but I just want an entire book of it, just like like for a straight bullet set, an Amy Racecar book. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if if, if, if Cody, Cody knew Cody that. Cody might not be aware. I of it yeah, I haven't is. gotten that far into stray bullets, unfortunately, just because of. Did you get into any of the Amy race cars? Like issue six is an Amy race car. No, I think I only by the time I read through Criminal, I only had time for like the first three of yeah. stray bullets. I didn't get it. I didn't. I don't think I got a Ooh, sizable. You didn't, you didn't chunk. even get to the good stuff. I well, there's a that book's almost as big as Bone. <laughs> Your boat book. Yeah, that was yeah, big yeah, as my yeah. bone, 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 huh? <laughs> boner. I'll yeah. teach you to laugh at Joker's boner. <laughs> boner crimes. Uh, the Joker's boner you, with a boner of my own. If you uh, if you like all these boner jokes, you can find more of them at that podcast productions It's pretty much all you'll find. Yeah, great plug. Great plug. Yeah, so, hey, we've, we've already sort of talked about it a bit, but Cody, you what can are you also doing? you can also find our future schedule there, hopefully. Oh, <laughs> every, every goddamn week with this. Hey, what are you contributing? What are you posting on the board? How's our Instagram yeah. going, Aura? According yeah, to our website, Aura's not Instagram. even a fucking host. I'll log back in one of these days and activate whatever. Log in would re- require you to have an account. I yeah, have logging an account. in again would require you to have logged in. I don't no, know this I, stranger, Josh. I, look, I... Sorry to whoever has the same text message sound as me just now, too. Couldn't hear God, it over us yelling. What kind of shit show are we putting on? Welcome to our show. Uh, me and Josh are the hosts, and Aura <laughs> is our uh, dedicated guest. Guest spot, Aura. <laughs> That'll He's be not a host. Not a host. Yet. Pending review. So, fellow host Cody, what, I, what are we doing this week? Does that mean I can leave? <laughs> no, it means you have I to mean, be the finger man when we tell you. <laughs> I mean, nobody's getting paid. You can leave whenever you want, <laughs> technically. Yeah, I can leave whenever I want. <laughs> but you won't, you goddamn junkie. Every time you think you're out, we pull you back in. So what are we doing this time, Cody? Oh, uh, we read Criminal. Third time? <laughs> Third time's a charm. Is this, is this the starting point? Did we, did we, we not did. say that yet? Yeah. Oh, we, we, uh, we've talked about them, but we haven't actually formally said this is true. what we're doing this week. We read two books, not exactly, but we read a decent amount of two different, uh, two different stories. Well, if you read your assignment, you did. I uh, my assignment was look, never to read the uh, like two thousand pages of Stray Bullets at this <laughs> point in time that it's been released. Look, I'm going to come clean. I just skimmed back through the first six issues of Stray yeah. Bullets. I didn't read them. I read Criminal. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, Criminal and Stray Bullets are the two that we're doing. Yep. Criminal by Ed Brubacher and Sean Phillips and Stray Bullets by David Laffham. As, so, what can, can we get some background on the other stuff that also you might recognize from these people? Because Brubaker has done like a lot of Marvel stuff, like DC stuff as yeah, well. Yeah. Uh, David Laplum did Deadly Class also, and then that's no, that no, not Deadly Class. That was it was I get them mixed up. It was Fraction or the other guy. Oh, okay. Gotcha. I think it was the other guy. Might be. Boy, I always mistake for Matt Fraction. <laughs> uh, both of these guys have been on Batman. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Laflam hasn't done a ton of yeah, successful his, his stuff outside of Spread Bullets. Yeah. Well, he, he, he did he, some runs on, on Crossed, for instance. Interesting. Really? Yeah, they weren't very good. Well, Crossed is <laughs> uh, kind often of. Not very if, good. If, if somebody tells me that Crossed is one of their favorite comics, I'm like, oh, wow. Fucking psychopath right there. I don't know. I've read some of Crossed. It's interesting. Crossed plus 100 is decent. 
Hmm. Well, it's a hundred years after. Oh, after? Yeah, hmm. it's, a, it's an interesting story. Might, might be. Yeah. So, uh, I think the thing that David Latham is most famous is, for is is just straight bullets. this this impossibly <laughs> long straight bullets yeah. run that he's done. I think this started in like the mid nineties. Ninety six, yeah, I believe. Because when I was getting into comics, this was a stuff when I was because I was I came into comics kind of late in the the, the, the early nineties mm-hmm. with that sort of vertigo boom, uh, and with a girl who was into Sandman who I tried to impress by by reading <laughs> Sandman. Uh, Tale as old as time. Comics don't get you the ladies. That's, uh, <laughs> there's an unfortunate fact for you. Um, but Stray Bullets was huge around then. I'm sorry that this... I'm Old man, put it on vibrate, I, God. I, I didn't think... I thought that we were done with it. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay. And I thought that meant that I was acknowledging that there was no more conversation needed. I don't, I don't know if you're aware of this. There's this button on the side of your I got phone it, it's done. It controls the volume. It's fucking done! <laughs> fucking done! <laughs> Son of a bitch! <laughs> Yeah, now I've guaranteed my phone will ring sometime during this shit. <laughs> right. I'm going to mute that. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to give Aura the satisfaction. I truly don't remember the last time like I just had my regular ringer on. I just always have it on vibrate. Uh, I'm looking at David Lapham's uh, bibliography, and holy crap, he has done a ton more than I thought. Because I oh, was he's, he's like one of those journeyman people that pops up a lot of places, but uh, isn't... Were you aware he did a WWF comic at one point? Sounds like something he would have ended up doing. Uh, Harbinger in the 90s? Whoa. Yeah, when... I, I did not know that that was him. Uh, uh, Refresh, what was Harbinger? Was that the... That was the DC... No, Valiant. Valiant. Oh, yeah. Harbingers. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I think it, yeah, I think I do remember that. I've seen he'd been on some... Kind of a healthy 14-issue run on Detective Comics. That's the one mm-hmm. that I knew was his mainstream work. Well, but. I think a lot of his work is like like someone like J.M. Matthias, right? Sure. Like, you bring him in, he does a solid run, like a couple runs on your book, and then he goes back to being David Laffin elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Young Liars, Josh, you yes, recall? I very much like Young Liars, and I would have brought that up at some point. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Still hope to do an episode on that one sometime. Um, but yeah, he and he's done... Yeah. So, but when you think about signature stuff, and this is sort of my point, like a lot of his work on stuff like that, isn't it doesn't stand out, and a lot of the stuff, like I read his stuff on Crossed, and it wasn't really very good. Like it was, and, and Crossed is a comic that outstayed its welcome very quickly. But e- even within that, like it wasn't as good as the original Ennis stuff. Like it just, it was just very indifferent. I felt. And, like, I think a lot of his other stuff isn't stuff that I, when I've encountered it, have, have thought stood out exceptionally. Well, uh, Which is what's so weird about Stray Bullets, because it is fucking amazing. <laughs> I did some research on both of these, just so, because I'll, I'll get to that later, but I found also, somebody said the same thing, it started in the 90s, but it, it stopped after, like, a certain point, and there was, like, a five-year hiatus where he did other stuff. So this whole this this book collects all of the stuff from the '90s to the hiatus. No. The El Capitan. Really? Yeah. He was publishing independently. Shit. Uh, under El Capitan. This is all pre pre hiatus. He's oh only done two arcs then, since hiatus. Then, no. Uh, wait. He did two. I, I looked it up. He did two arcs for Image. Hmm. There's four trade paperbacks of Sunshine and Bullets, and it's still going. 
I mean, well, it might be a very long arc, but I think it's still the Sunshine and Bullets arc. Well, yeah. So two arcs. Uh, okay. I'm not sure how long those arcs are. Yeah, Sunshine and Bullets is uh, is four trade paperbacks deep right now. Yeah, and there was one before that that he did for Image as well that I can't think of the, the name for that was like a six or something. Might be included in there then. Cause I'm trying to see. Think this, is. this is issues one through 41. He's, he's done, according to the Wikipedia at least, there's, there's two arcs that he's done on Image which were Killers and Sunshine and Roses, which, I mean, Sunshine and Roses has had four volumes so far. Killers might not be collected then. Uh, and Killers, Killers was an eight, and according to this, it was collected at some point. I don't know when or how. And this is the first 41, so this why is Why don't the, we have it, Cody? So this stuff would be the... I haven't read any of it up until this point. He was, this is from his independent label, El Capitan, which I think yeah. basically just existed. To publish bullets. And it does and say image as well stuff. on the spine. Yeah, it was a reissue. Like they put out the, the omnibus edition here when he signed with image to do mm-hmm. that. Which I assume was probably a part of his agreeing to do it. Yeah. You get a nice brick of comics here. Mm-hmm. Well I so I looked and it is over a thousand pages. I think it's like one thousand ninety or one thousand one hundred, something like that. So that puts it this this one pre hiatus almost yeah. Exactly at the length of the one volume edition of Bone. Yeah, and it is fairly dense too. Yeah. Well, this this is I feel like this printing is also just like larger too. Like it's the full comic size. I don't think Bone is that big, that tall. No, well, there's the Scholastic edition is short. I yeah, I think in the original publication, Bone was full size. Yeah, the the color printings that but, they have too are are like full size as well. Yeah. That Scholastic edition they have of it, which I have because it's cheap, is fucking garbage. By the way, yeah, that's the one thing. I mean, it's forty. It's only like not the contents, but the, yeah. the way it's put together because the, the pages are tissue paper thin. Yeah, that's what everybody you says. Can see you like can see like five pages deep into it. Yeah, this one it's ridiculous. is sixty dollars, and that one is forty five at one point in time, and I think now it's forty, or or yeah. inverse that it was forty and now it's forty five. I think I got the bone one that I have off Amazon for like less than twenty. Yeah, I would I would have demanded money back if that were not the case. The full color edition, like slipcase, is now back in stock, and it is like hundred fifty dollars. <gasps> but we're I'm doing the thing again where I talk about a different thing. I actually we actually like the books this week. <laughs> so do we want to? Which order do we want to talk about? It? We started on David Laffam. So we want to talk about Brubaker. What do we want to give background for both, or do we want to give background book background book? Uh, either, either way is fine with me. Let's. I think Laura uh, wants to talk about Brubaker. I let's talk just, about I Brubaker. Haven't pulled up. Let's just do. Yeah, hey, let's do it that to. way. We'll, we'll just do the... background and background for yeah. both, and then we'll do like synopsis, synopsis, and yeah, etc. This is one of the first Brubaker and Phillips collaborations, if I recall. I feel like there's also a lot of really good direct comparison between both oh, yeah. of these books. Well, we'll like, definitely get into that. Yeah. But let's talk about yeah, talk about the people. Which we, I mean, we had kind of started on a little bit just with like some of their other work as well. Yeah. And when these books came out relative to like the rest of their career, because Brubaker still is also still putting out Criminal, correct? Uh, yeah. So both of these books are still still in print circulation, still coming out with new issues, which is insane. I we only have the first volume of Criminal, so yeah. we don't have that direct visual comparison at least for us but I imagine it's pretty close as far as what I'm sorry as far as like how much 
exist in both of these series. Well, I don't think Criminal is as more. big as Stray Bullets. There's... But there's a lot. Yeah. What, like ten it's, arcs of Criminal? Or is uh, it no, well, I think they just came out with either the seventh or the eighth. Uh, but the thing is, more. they moved it to original uh, graphic novels now. And there's, I think, two or three of those. So okay. that's why it was hard, and that's why yeah. I was having a hard time doing math on it. Because I remember like, the newest ah, one was that like pink hardcover one that we have in the back. Bad weekend. Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. But, uh, the guy looks like Bernie Sanders on the cover. Yeah. So this was early Brubaker and Phillips. Uh, but where was where did they come before that? Like, where do you know where they? Because I know Brubaker had done other stuff. Was he doing Vertigo shit? stuff? I oh, believe would be uh, the answer to that. And I'm trying to scroll to it. Uh, uh, Sleeper. That was the one. Yeah, Sleeper for Wildstorm, which I fucking love. Yes. I think Aura is less enamored of it, and it's, but it's one of my faves. I didn't... I just didn't... It didn't catch me. I and don't know why, man. I, it's so I don't, I don't know either, because I, I had that suggested to uh, a good friend of mine who I used to work at the other comic store with uh, back, you know, back when it was contemporary, and he just loved the thing. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, I'll read it, and then I gave it a try, and I was like, I don't love this. But uh, Sleeper is where they were together. So that was their first work together? I do believe. And what had they been doing before that? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not trying to put you on the spot. I'm just trying to get are a, you asking individually? a sense of a career arc. Yeah, sure. Yeah, uh, well, as far as I know, Brubaker may not have... I mean, he, he, he did some well, Batman. Like yeah, some that's... detective comics and... So he'd and, done some sort of superhero stuff, I yeah, thought. Like he was uh, a, yeah. Well, he was a guy who would do your Captain, do you a Captain America or something for a bit. Okay, okay, so Bruce Wayne Murderer and Bruce Wayne Fugitive was his. Okay. And then, and then he did Sleeper and some other things. Then he hopped over to Marvel and killed Captain America. Um, <laughs> right? Uh, oh, and I skipped Gotham Central, which is my favorite thing that... Oh yeah, that, he was. So we have done him on this before. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, um, was Philip Sard on that as well, or was that? Uh, I think maybe some of it. I'm uh, the 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 Wikipedia site is real poor with trying to help figure yeah. out who the artist is. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I feel like he was on some of it, but not all of it, kind of thing. Yeah, that sounds right. because uh, they they had that uh. Who was that? The not Jay Bone, the other sort of neoclassical looking guy. Anyway, yeah. So that's so yeah. So he'd done he'd done work in superhero stuff, but it's sort of a long run on Daredevil after Brian Michael Bendis. That's right. He was the guy who followed up Bendis on that was the uh, Daredevil goes to jail shit, if I recall. Kind of a thankless job, you know. I'd imagine. Because the Bendis one had been well received, if I recall. Yes. And then he did the Daredevil Goes to Jail with yep. his art, because Bendis sort of left it going that way. Uh, and uh, basically the only other big thing uh, that people might have read of his would be Fatal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which, uh, which had uh, five volumes in the mid... <clears throat> 2010s. Yeah. It says his very like some of his early work was penciling a Gumby 3D issue for Blackthorn <laughs> Comics. Who doesn't remember Gumby 3D and Blackthorn <laughs> Comics? Uh, but I, I think there's sort of you can see all of this stuff sh- shows like noir type things. Like, I and mean, it was sort of a, a movement towards that. But like yeah. he sort of moved away from the 
initial journeyman like let's do some superhero shit but yeah. still landing sort of Batman centric and yeah. and Gotham central and then eventually sort of realizing that what he liked was noir stuff yeah like crime books and doing criminal and fatal and uh, uh, killer be killed was fairly recent by them which was uh, more of a death wish type thing mm-hmm. in a way um, what was it the fade out the fade out the the, Holly, the Hollywood noir one yep that one was good too which bugs me because they keep calling it the Hayes office but it's not there well I'm sorry what's your problem they keep calling they talk, they're talking about the production code and they keep calling it the Hayes code which people do because it's but he, Hayes didn't write the code and he wasn't the chief enforcer of the code Breen was the chief enforcer of the code and it's a film it's cool it's a dough yeah clearly <laughs> <laughs> Uh, apparently, uh, Sean Phillips uh, goes back a little further than I thought he had. Okay. I thought I thought he was sort of Brubaker's boy, uh, but uh, he did a ton of Hellblazer. Mm. That makes a lot of sense, yeah. actually. Um, Looking at his style, very it's uh, it, a lot of like good heavy shadows. In uh, in Cower, or criminal at least for sure. So I can imagine, and it kind of has that, um, like, well, this is this is like later too, but it has that. Um, it hits like the things that the industry standard of like big bigger published comics like wants you to hit. It has that I hate. It has that uh, sheen for it, but uh, it's still. Feels unique. Brew, uh, Brew Baker is a British guy, so he was involved in a lot of those British isms too. Was that a fucking Brit kill or, Captain sorry, America? Phillips. Phillips. I'm sorry, Phillips. <laughs> oh, okay, that was my fault. I apologize. I misspoke. Uh, Phillips is a Brit. Is a Brit guy. It's like I'll so, start a motherfucking riot if no, a British no, no, guy no, no, kills no. fucking Captain America. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You Suck remember when Mark dick. Millar wrote Captain America and we hated it? Um... <laughs> Remember when Mark Miller wrote anything and I fucking hate it. <laughs> but uh, the reason why I mention that is because then uh, Sean Phillips has been involved in all of those things you expect those Brit guys to be involved in. Judge Dredd, you know. Yeah, yeah the... And... The what, what was it, 20,000 AD or whatever? And I am going to make a slight retraction mm-hmm. here. I do remember the first uh, Brubaker-Phillips uh, joint, and it is a book called Scene of the Crime for Vertigo that was a four-issue miniseries <laughs> also noari though wow one of those lost uh, vertigo minis yeah i remember the first uh first garth ennis i ever read was a was a lost mini called like like father's pride or some shit like that uh the world is worse off without vertigo being in it it is know, so <laughs> i don't know image kind of does those same like weird one off four or six issue mini but it, i suppose it Imposes financial barriers that Vertigo didn't. Yeah. To you just having, like, here, just do six issues. I doubt we expect it to sell for shit. <laughs> do a Prez one shot. Yeah. Have <laughs> at it, kid. Go wild. Do you remember that Prez Vertigo one shot? I do. The oversized? Yeah. That was, that was actually really fun comics. The Teen Prez thing? Yeah. Yeah, smells like Teen President. <laughs> it's the one-shot '90s uh, version of Prez. Well, that was another one. We've that done they, shows about Prez before. They tried that one again shows. for the new Fifty Two, and it also didn't work out. 
It's like six or seven issues of that one, or maybe hey, nine. We'll, we'll get to do another election special upcoming this year, hopefully. <laughs> Cody, Cody was just talking about uh, about the Prez. Uh, you, you referred to it as a New 52 book. The no, 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 that's why I'm saying they did it again, but I don't think that that worked. <laughs> You're going to enrage Aura. I mean, it was... Oh, God. Oh, no. So oh, God. Oh, fuck. Okay, no, 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 no. I had no idea the can that I was touching. <laughs> Holy shit. I accidentally Aura. grabbed one of Daddy's beers from the fridge. Yep. I'm so sorry. Aura will murder you if you oh, come fuck. close to talking shit on fucking Presbury. I wasn't talking shit. I was just saying, like, it... Uh, like... I love that comment. <laughs> okay. Well, I was... I definitely thought this was the other way. So that's why I was being... Like, I was yeah. backpedaling. Like, no, 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 no. I don't know. Yeah. I'm yeah, scared. Did, I touched Daddy's beer. We did a lost episode on that and a bunch of other election stuff in 2016. Oh, God. In November yeah. of 2016. Hey, let's never... It didn't turn out well. ...ever give Keen Spot any money. Period. Ever? <laughs> ever. Period. <laughs> I will say you should read the original, like, 60s or 70s press because it's fucking great and batshit. Uh, read the, the new press is fine too. Press, yes. <laughs> I think it, I think I don't love I don't love it to the degree Aura does, but it's fine. It's book, worth reading. Book it's ended. Mark Russell, though. I think he got better later. Son of a bitch, Josh. I, I think right. his, I think Crip, his Are you guys trying to give me an aneurysm today? I said Prez was a good book. God, we liked these liked books. It. Let's continue to talk about was. the books for this episode. I just don't think that it was as incredibly amazing as his like later books. Sure. All right, we did. <laughs> All right, uh, and we've had two Mark Russell books on our show, haven't we? I sneak anyway. them in when I can. I always forget the Prez was. Anyway, uh, yeah, Brubaker. He he was a guy. He did comic stuff. And Sean Phillips <laughs> was a guy out, who drew comic stuff. And they figured out that they liked doing noir shit, and they started doing it together. And they've they've made a fairly good living at it ever since. And they have kind of a factory formula of it because they put out. In individual issues, yeah, they do. their book, yeah, yeah, that's how you get. To, that's you got to get your books released. It's the industry secret. Um, anyway, sorry, I cut you off for a dumb joke. But when because I I haven't I didn't get most of those in issues, but I got Killer Be Killed in it, and it had what apparently is their their format where they have the comic, and then they have a letters page, and then they have a couple of essays about like noir themes or forgotten crime oh, movies or just random shit by various. Uh, Apparently the original Coward, and I'm kind of pissed that they didn't include this in the version that I have, they, they, and a bunch of essays. They don't. People like Pat Oswald. They purposefully do not include the essay, so you're forced to buy the individual issues. Which is something that we can is talk, such shit. That well, it's something we can talk about in the was it was it worth it section. We'll talk about it right now. That's enraging. Fair enough. <laughs> if, if you put out the essays as a separate book, fine. Just like with with sex criminals, they well, just a tip. They they have but, they have said numerous times that they will not re-release that content in any form, so that you are forced that. to buy the individual issues. Fuck that and fuck the collector mentality. <laughs> that is shit that makes me want to not buy comics. I like the books. I like the big books. It's just like I I don't know. Again, this is a kind of tangenting away from like the episode, but oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's a unique experience for our viewers, uh, listeners, or whatever viewers. they are. Viewers. viewers, that's what we call our. That's our fans. Let's. Yeah. I feel like that is also. Well, a canon I, I really, now. I really like that pod people. <laughs> the pod people. That pod people. That pod people. <laughs> is... the, the them's. The that's. No them. Thatters. Pod... 
them uh, that pod people. Them that good pod people. Pod people. Forget it. You know what? I'm not explaining the joke to <laughs> them you. Them vultures. <laughs> that them there crooked vultures. Uh, what was your tangent, Cody? Oh my God! I was just gonna say like I like when you when you buy the individual issues and you have to bag and board them and stuff to keep them. Like it's just how how often are you gonna drag that back out to read it again? And it's uh, exactly right. the the book format. I think lends itself if you if you want to reread your comics. That's that was it. Yeah, individual issues are like the worst fucking way to com- to collect a medium. They're just so anti you reading them ever again. The only time, but yeah, that I like really go for it is it, when it's it. And it's something that I tell people too at the store all the time is like it, it feels episodic. Like sometimes I just get too wrapped up in a, a story to not read it as soon as it comes out just because it's so I wouldn't say cliffhangery, but I mean it, it's in a way like that's how Black Hammer was for me. Like I couldn't wait for the trades, I had to know like exactly what was happening. Like as soon as they came out, but like that—that that very rarely happens. Where I'm like, I really feel compelled enough to to have to buy the individual issues. But stray bullets. But yeah, let's stray talk about our actual home. comics <laughs> instead of having controversial conversations about issues versus trades. Um, I used to so be—I used to be an individuals only guy. I've moved to trades because I like. How they look on shelves. Yeah, that's that's me. So Stray Bullets (laughs) is collected in this giant-sized omnibus tray. It looks great on a shelf. (laughs) It looks great on a shelf. It does. It has been running since... It's still running. 96? 98. I feel like it would have been a little earlier. Stray Bullets is exactly... I mean, let me just say this. Both of these books, Criminal and Stray Bullets, are... The exact type of comics that the people who are bored or fed up with uh, thinking, or the the I would say almost universal mentality that when you say the phrase comic books, the first thing that pops in your head is a superhero. So, I real quickly brought because I wanted to look something else up. Ninety-five. Ninety-five. Uh, I was, so I was right over the first time. It's a Twenty-five-year run yeah. so far on Straight Bullets. Um, well, I looked. Uh, like I looked at some shit. reviews for this, mm-hmm. and every like every first review on like Amazon and Goodreads and all this stuff is like, you aren't gonna find any capes and tights in this comic book. <laughs> God, and well, I, it's definitely of that era. And yeah. I was like, I was, and every time I, you know, I, my brain came to a screeching halt because I was like, oh, I forgot that there are people who don't understand what this medium is. Yeah. That. Well, I think more to the point, there's this was of era. This this is a thing, maybe not. Not more to the point. I don't want to sound like I'm diminishing your point. But the point that I would want to make is that it came... This is a book that came out of an era in which independent comics were regaining visibility after sort of 60s comics with an X shit, right? Sure. And so to a lot of people, and this included young me because I was young and dumb, uh, 
they were like, well, comics are different. You know, you can, it doesn't just have to be. That was a part of the identity. Was yeah. Being like, it's not just superhero shit. It's about, like, mm-hmm. weird dream guys and people shooting each other. How do you like that? Is that too edgy for you, Dad? Well, it, you know? it, it, exactly. It's so it's, funny. It's it, cringy as shit, but, like, it it's reminds, where it came from. <laughs> yeah, it reminds me of when you're, like, as a kid, or maybe, I don't know, more, more for me, but you're like, oh, I would never shop at, like, Abercrombie and Fitch or American Eagle. It's Hot Topic only for me. Meanwhile, in the background, like, all of those companies are literally run by the same people. Oh, yeah. The exact same, or, or, yeah. Hot Topic used to be how I would demonstrate how capitalism (laughs) (laughs) co-ops, like, oppositional viewpoints. Yeah, exactly. But it's (laughs) so funny. Because they'll sell you a dead Kennedy shirt (laughs) at the mall. Just to real quickly throw this out there, though, that review was from eight months ago. <laughs> yeah, of course. But, lot, but what I'm saying is, I think a lot of its fans maybe have some of that mentality. Yeah. Oh, I, in terms I, of, to it. I understand. I just like I yeah. as I <laughs> as I hold on to as, that shit. As I sort of read that, my brain just like came, like I said, to a screeching, like it was the record scratch. I was like, oh my god, god oh, I forgot. <laughs> like, which is you know, and that's that's more a failing on my part in some ways for forgetting the. <laughs> You know, the, there is a world outside of this world for a moment, but because uh-huh. I've been so ensconced in it, right? I mean, I feel like all of us are have made the full you know rotation where you're like blah blah blah, comp, like Cape Comics are bad, and then you're like actually no, like that's stupid. Like writers are good and artists are good, yeah. and it doesn't matter. Well, and a lot of it, like a big a big signifier for that would be Walking Dead. Like Walking Dead made it kind of unavoidable that there are comics. There's a lot of comparisons that are to, not superhero comics. Yeah, to that and yeah. Stray Bullets, especially the whole like black and white thing too. Because that when I was doing my research, that was the other thing that people were constantly gushing about was like in '95 and '96, like seeing it up there with like all the other stuff that's trying to be like brightly colored and things like that. And then this is just like true crime, more grounded in realism type thing, uh, anthology, episodic. You can just pick up. That I guess that's another thing contributing more towards that if you are a person who only comes into a comic shop every now and then, you don't have to have one through three to pick up number four. Well, the interesting thing about this... <laughs> Obviously, that's that, that you get rewarded for the full gambit. Well, both of these things, uh, both Criminal and uh, Stray Bullets have payoffs if you if you started it because yeah. all of these characters don't uh, the stray bullets particularly none of those characters go away you mentioned Amy Racecar earlier yeah, in the those episode. are the ones that Amy. weave through uh, Amy Racecar like, well, I'll explain what Amy Racecar yeah. one of the characters that you follow the one that I'd say is the closest to a main character in what is basically an anthology series is this little girl girl named Ginny Apple Apple, Apple something yeah Applegate Applejack Applejack Ginny Applejack who's this little girl from a somewhat not great household at, at first it deteriorates rapidly uh, who one night like her sister sends her to watch a movie when she's supposed to be babysitting her and Ginny watches a man get murdered in an alley uh and it fucks her up for life. Like she becomes increasingly violent and withdrawn, and uh, as it would, and, right. and angry, and you know, just and, and it's not just that. There, we see lots of other factors happening in her life, but it's clearly, and to me, I think that's really what Stray Bullets is about: is about the effects of violence outside of the immediate. 
Yeah. Mm. Like, it's about what happens to people that are around violence. And Ginny is the ultimate example of that. She's not involved in the shooting in any fucking meaningful way. But the fact that the shooting exists and she's around it irrevocably alters her life. Uh, and Amy Racecar is a character that she makes up that we get issues of that are just about Amy Racecar's adventures where she's like a badass, murdery, super Assault of the killer bimbos. Yeah. <laughs> and they're fucking great. I love all the Amy Racecar stuff so fucking much. I can't even tell you. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one of those books that... Because I started reading Stray Bullets at about issue 20 of this thing. And then I tried to go back and find the back issues, uh-huh. and I found it near impossible because it was a because it was a uh, you know an El uh, Capitan an El Capitan, which is <laughs> uh, you know some some other publisher, uh, right? But uh, but fortunately, you know, I the store that I worked at at the time was was a pretty good shop, so. Uh, I, I'm only missing, you know, of back issues, like, you know, some, you know, three or four in the middle somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, but, great. Yeah, but then this thing came out, and, like, you know, I was like, uh, and w- I, the, I guess the viewers can't see me viewing this. Uh, <laughs> the, 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 big, the big omnibus came out, and it was, to me, that was exciting, because mm-hmm. I was like, oh, finally, I get to get to see what was happening in those middle sort of thing. Even though, in some ways, anthologized, it doesn't really matter. You know? Right. Like, no, it's important. Like yeah. I, I first read these, actually, I read the first one or two at a library. Because I used to get a lot of comics at the library. I think I've mentioned on the show before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're poor, pro tip, go to libraries <laughs> That's and read bone. comics. Yep. Because a lot of libraries have more comics than you think. And uh, you don't have to pay money if you pay attention to when shit's due. Burgeoning um, young adult section. You don't actually, at Lawrence, have to pay overdue yeah. fines anymore at all. Which is awesome. There should be no overdue yeah. fines at libraries. They're a public, they're a public good. Like, if we can't... I don't get ranty. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. we could get on that really easy, because this is a show oh. all about like the, the right. value of this and, and collecting media and preserving it. I will just say... Preserving our culture is a public good and is important and is not a thing that happens naturally in capitalism. It needs to be forced. Um, it's it's a fact. <laughs> uh, no, I I, uh, I was gonna mention hoopla, but I was waiting till you were done. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I read these first couple volumes, but then they because libraries have very spotty collections, so I, I couldn't get far into it. Yeah. And I think I read the first two, and then the the, the Amy Racecar separate volume, which collect all the Amy Racecar ones. That's kind of cool. Uh, so when this when yeah, this edition came out, I was fucking super excited. Yeah, <laughs> like I can finally read all of this, and I did. And it it took it took a while because this is fairly dense comics. It took like a week or two to struggle through. But goddamn, is it amazing? Uh, let me ask. Uh, did it do the same thing to you that it did to me when I sat down with my Uberalis edition, and you had a couple of days afterwards where you were like. God, the world is bullshit. <laughs> I'm kind of always that way. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. More so than normal, I guess. But I mean, I think if someone wants to understand me, I would point them to that South Park episode where yeah. where, uh, where Stan starts suddenly hearing everything is bullshit. Oh. Yeah. That's, that's my life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, this was I a, think a lot of things are bullshit. Uh, it, it does darken your, you know, it does darken your worldview a little bit. I mean, the first... Yeah. The title of the first volume, if you if you didn't do the Uberalis edition, but you did just the the 
the uh, collected editions. The title of the first collected edition is "The Innocence of Nihilism." Yeah. So. That's well. It's inter- that I title I found really interesting too, given the subject matter, and then like the whole anthology side of it. Even just like flipping through is the very first story. Those those characters aren't strangers to guns at all. It's almost yeah. like uh, the the whole idea of the stray bullets being like the connecting thread, sure. if you will, throughout the series is just one of those interesting things that showcases like it might not be a thing that's part of your day to day life at all until the one day that it is and then suddenly it, it's inescapable. Well, and the interesting thing about the first issue that I've always found is that it's set like a decade after most of the events that preceded. Mm-hmm. Like it's significantly later and the, the main character of it is Joey who we see as a child Yeah, in several other issues going back and we see how he's formed by this violence into somebody who in the first issue is kind of driven mad by it because he, he has some sort of developmental disability uh, he's become attached to a hooker who his boss paid for and then murdered, I believe. Isn't that what happens in it? I, I'm out of my depth as far as like what happens like fully. No, on the first issue. Oh, in the first Aren't issue? Like calling the body? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's yeah. Not, not fully dead, correct? And that's the whole... Well, I think I think she's dead, and he's kind of crazy. Yeah, ah. and he and he just snaps and murders everybody because he's been around this his whole life, and he doesn't know what. And you know, we find out his mother was a prostitute. Like he doesn't. It, it fills depth back into it, where it's like mm-hmm. this is the outcome of all of this events is this, and it's fucking grim. <laughs> and the last panel of that issue like echoes that point, really brings it home because the last panel is just him like surrounded by four new bodies or three new bodies, whatever it is. Uh-huh. You know, like yeah, because the very fir- like the first page is that that thing about uh, wh- like why are you so nerd? What is it? Uh, Jesus, you act like you've never seen a body before. Yeah, like, just a trunk full of fucking bodies. Yeah. And he's walking away to town to try and get revenge on... Dead hookers in all these trunks. His, his weird revenge on Harry, who is also a figure you always hear about throughout these. As sort of this backgroundy figure. Oh, Stray Bullets it's, is so good. It is. It is intricate and nuanced. We, and just... So for some of that story element Jesus. that we talked about, Stray Bullets, for Criminal, I feel it has a lot of similar overarching themes where it's like they... They love this genre and they want to tell like the stories inside of it and there always is that element of like it's it I feel like it's different but also the same for the whole hero's journey type thing of it's like you have to have characters who are kind of like ensconced in these lifestyles so they can navigate it but almost I wouldn't say almost always but like very often it means like if, if that's how you live, that's how you're going to die. Like, it, it's, it always feels like the better endings when characters get killed. Or at least in certain senses, in certain ways. Like, things have to line up. But. There's, there's an idea of heroic sacrifice, I think, that mm-hmm. we're talking about. We just watched Bojack Horseman a while ago, and they talked about how the idea of sacrifice and how bullshit that is. Did you guys finally... Are you yeah, finished, finished with all of it? Uh, wow. How about that, that, huh? Series. I took... Well... I don't want to spoil that one because that one's not enough. If you haven't haven't watched Bojack Horseman, watch Bojack Horseman and have some Kleenexes. Yeah. The funeral episode, I'm not going to talk about what it is, but the the one funeral episode, I almost lost my shit like real fucking bad. (laughs) Um, 
So when that one comes up, watch out. Have those Kleenexes handy. It gets dusty in the room. Um, I will say, moving from Stray Bullets to Criminals, like, if Stray Bullets was a movie, it's an Altman film, right? It's, it's a huge ensemble cast, even within the issues. Like, it doesn't... Like, an individual issue will sort of follow one person, but it gives you a sense of what this large group of people are doing. Mm-hmm. Um, or criminal, even... Uh, at least in this first volume, and I haven't... I've, I've sort of read some of the others, but I don't remember them. It was long enough ago. Uh, is very hyper-focused on one person. There's a definite main yeah. character. Like I said, Ginny is kind of the main character of Stray Bullets because I think we follow her the longest. But not really because there's still all these other people that we follow. Uh, Coward is just following this one guy. Mm-hmm. And I think the rest of Criminal, each each arc is a different person, oh, but you, you follow a person. And mm-hmm. you get very inside them. Mm-hmm. Um, Criminal reminds me closer of uh, if we're doing movie comparisons, like something like a history of violence yeah. type of thing, where you're you're it is like focused on one person, but as the story continues, you just widen your like history of this character as like choices are made. It's like yeah. why would you do that? And then it's like oh well, it's because all these other things that you that happened a while ago. Yeah, there's a good or bad. Study. There's a serious character study element to this. Because the first volume of it is called Coward. And I think that's another interesting connection between it and Stray Bullets is that Stray Bullets is about the victims of violence. And Coward is about somebody who has tried to avoid violence his whole life despite being a criminal. Yeah. So I think there's something of a connection between the two there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as the main character is Leopold, who has been raised as a thief. And... and I, if we walk through this plot a bit more, it's only because Stray Bullet's plot is difficult to walk through, by the yeah. way. You know, lots of people die is sort of the, the <laughs> plot of Stray Bullets. And then everybody else is very sad about it. Right. And the ones that live probably have it worse, especially Ginny, whose life is really shit. <laughs> um, you know, it, it gets bad for her. Yeah, Stray Bullets reminds me of Demo. It does. Like, it's, it's that kind of hard to talk about. Yeah. It just bounces around a lot. Well, and then you, it, it, for every single person, yeah. they have things in their own life <laughs> that they can reflect, like reflect on in that same sense of like you think about Stray Bullet, the characters, and then you're like, oh, geez, we yeah. live in a society. We do. We <laughs> live in a society right here. <laughs> uh, Coward is about Leopold, who is uh, who, who is a petty thief, basically, uh, but he's very good at it. Uh, but he also has these very strict rules about jobs that he's involved in. Uh, that mostly revolve around avoiding violence and violent people uh, no guns. when pulling off no, capers. Yeah. Like, like, he insists that people not carry guns on capers he's involved with. Not very successfully. Yeah. Which, by the way, he, if, if I have a fault with this, is that Leopold doesn't seem as smart as he should be. Because he should have seen a lot of shit coming. I disagree, because I think that the way that this thing goes sideways is people break his rules. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he should have seen, like, when those two guys show up to the, the planning meeting, the yeah. cops are just like, these are my two guys. He should have been like, okay, bye. These these two are... But it's also these that... These are obviously other right. cops, and yeah. they are obviously going to bring guns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he, he also talks about... Well, but I think... There, there are reasons for it, I just... Yeah. I think it's all... All of that is to set up just the whole point of the real... Like, you think that the reason that he is being hired is because he is a thief, but that's... The part of the reason why the book is called Coward isn't necessarily that he is the best thief. It's that he 
will survive. He yeah. is going to be the person who's going to get away. And the more you read, the more you find out that there's a history yeah. of that. Yeah, and you, and you can sort of make... If you want to look at the bad decisions he makes, you can sort of cover them by saying, like, he's not quite as smart as he thinks he is. Right. And he still checks all the boxes of, like, uh, you know, reluctant hero. I'm doing this because my, like, father or father figure, I wasn't super clear about that, is, like... his father figure. Father figure is, like, I, a junkie. I haven't worked with his dad. Yeah. And then his dad was taken to prison and died. Um, yeah, he has a real aversion to prison, which definitely helps, like, fuel his, his need to stay out of, like, trouble, trouble, but not without getting into yeah. the circumstances and it's that sort of thing that like progresses that part of it forward is that oh i because i know i always need a second way out because i know no guns because yeah. like this he uh he basically that's the like ultimate subversion is you think of these noir characters as the fucking maltese falcon private dick like feet up on the desk she had legs all the way down mm -hmm. and then this character excels in his field because he's a quote-unquote coward yeah and that's the initial inner monologue on those first pages is all about how he's not going to go to prison because yeah. just, which if you know how plots are constructed lets you know right away that this is going to end with him going to prison <laughs> And I don't say that as a bad thing. Like, uh, people always say predictability as a bad thing in mm -hmm. fiction, but I don't think it necessarily is. Like, Ooh. I think it just makes it kind of mythic. Like, that there's there's this arc where it starts a certain way, and I think it's intentional that... I imagine that Brubacher writing those bits was like, if I start it this way, they will know that it ends with him in prison. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because... That can be a deliberate technique. It can add a sort of fatalistic element to it. The which inevitability. Is yeah. Often a part of noir. That whole... I would say. You can't... It's the it's the thing for both. It's that... I keep throwing aura these... We're talking about noir shit. And because that's his thing. And he keeps... Uh, yeah. He's not jumping. <laughs> well, I mean... Because I want to talk a little bit about composition, but I think sure. before we should talk about the the genre itself, like for noir stuff. Yes, uh, you know, uh, basically the show we're having right now is the show I wanted to have. Like, all, uh, you know, two of these, the you know, two of these comics are two of my favorite comics, and then the movie uh, in two weeks is uh, one of my favorite movies. So, and I, and I look forward to, to tearing it down. <laughs> have fun. There's no fucking color in this movie. There How is. the hell? Jesus, what? God. Get a fucking good camera, there, you Jesus dicks. Christ, Even yeah. my there, phone does better than budget that. Budget on this movie looks fucking trash. Look, uh, it's not perfect. I'm aware of <laughs> that. Uh, city that never sleeps. You need a fucking article in front of that city, buddies. That's true. Because. <laughs> uh, because this thing is hard is to find. Is it a city? That. Is it the city? Well, and is it's, it that city? Yeah. Huh? I, I'll tell you another. Because uh, <laughs> there, there's actually an interesting story behind that title. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, you'll see. I look forward to falling asleep. Let's <laughs> save that for the episode on it. Yeah, <laughs> I would think so. <laughs> uh, so you know, uh, noir kind of like you said has this has this like. I don't know, stereotype, right, of being, yeah. uh, you know, a single thing, a, you know, it's detective, blah, 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 you know, this sort of thing. But uh, as Flicking they expand... Flicking a cigarette into, a, into a, like, a street. Well, as they expand out, I, I mean, and I think Josh could maybe even speak to this a little bit more than me, noir ends up being more about a style than necessarily about a particular kind of, you know, story. character within yeah. the story, because the... 
Go on. Oh, I'm just laughing because in my undergrad, I had a uh, a test question that was like right about. It was basically, it was more cleverly framed, but it was like, "Is noir a, a style, a genre? Uh, what is it?" Yeah. Well, it, so so I, I in fact wrote an essay about this topic. Um, and and uh, you know we can we can discuss, but but I would argue style because uh, I think that the characters, you know, there are carryover elements, things like uh, difficulty with identity, um, tra- trauma. You not, know, these not having all the pieces initially. Yeah, yeah, these sorts of things. But but at the end of the day, like it could be detective, it could be. Uh, you know, it could be cowboy. It could be yeah. you know any number of things that end up in this sort of thing. Um, so when you're talking explicitly, explicitly about noir, I mean, I think it's particular sorts of camera angles, like uh, you know things like that. So, you're making such a great segue. Yeah. Do we do we really want to have? Uh, have at it, buddy. Time? What do you think? Because I'm champing at the bit. Uh, Noir means can be different things in sure. terms of what it is. Uh, initially, film noir was a cycle. A yes. cycle is a set of films bound in a particular time that share similar stylistic elements that and that are all influencing each other. Uh, the noir cycle, in particular, happened in uh, World War Two era Hollywood. Uh, and there's like for instance, when I was in undergrad, one of the one of the grad students was doing a thesis on how wartime shortages shaped noir aesthetics because. They meant that things like studio time or uh, large amounts of lighting were in short supply. So the style of noir as this sort of darker shot on location um, film style was influenced by the economics that surrounded it in that way. Uh, The noir cycle is also sort of interesting in terms of theoretical history because uh, a lot of who initially recognized it as such were the French and that is a sort of accident no of history because mm-hmm. when these films were first coming out, uh, they were Vichy France and then they were German-occupied France uh, towards the end of the war well, when they were more directly occupied. Because Fritz Long had a lot um, to do with the early noir stuff. He was involved, yes, when he fled. Um, so they weren't getting American films because there were blockades in, in Vichy France. And you, you couldn't show stuff from America because the Reich didn't want you to see those things. Right. Uh, when the war ended, one of the things, there was this American wartime agency that was supposed to watch the film industry. Uh, it did a poor job of watching the film industry because there were existing agencies like the production code and they did not fucking want the input of this new government agency. So instead what the agency evolved into was basically a propaganda arm wherein as the U.S. occupied territory, they would start showing American films. Uh, and that was, that was sort of their major, I can't remember the name of the agency, like Office of Wartime Media or something like that. Um, and they had all these films that were going to France that hadn't been there before that there were the noir films that had been released over several years but France was getting them all in a fucking clump right oh wow so suddenly you had like you were watching like Mildred Pierce or fucking uh, Double Indemnity and fucking City That Never Sleeps you would be watching all of these movies almost simultaneously in theaters and so a lot of French critics were like there's a style here there's an obvious connection here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that created an idea of a style, which continues on as film noir. Uh, 
God, shotgun and, and creates like new cycles. I would say twenty years worth of noir and like you know a couple of weeks. Well, like five years. The right. initial cycle yeah. was like a five-year cycle. I feel like even yeah. even basically by today's <laughs> standards, if you say just to the average person like noir, like the first yeah. thing that comes into their head is that same like era in history. Yeah. Like sure, but there's there's new trench cycles. coats and stuff. Yeah. The style generates new cycles, I would say. Like, there was, for instance, the new Hollywood era of the 70s with the production code having been replaced by the ratings code and giving people more freedom, and suddenly we had a neo-noir cycle with stuff like Chinatown, Mm. which honestly is what a lot of people think about when they think about noir in the modern world, I think, just because some of those films, Chinatown in particular... Are, are very well respected. And, and for it's good a, reason, because Chinatown is one of the best movies ever made. And Pixar references um, things like Chinatown. It's like, a, that's yeah. a zeitgeist thing too now at this point. Oh yeah, it's absolutely in the cultural vocabulary. Or like the 80s neon noir cycle, which I don't know quite as much about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you see these noir revival cycles that happen because the style is sort of freely associated. And like you, I do think it's probably not... I think attaching it to a genre, I think if it's similar to zombie stuff in that way. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, there are things that are a stereotypical noir film, but I don't think they're coherent enough to make it a genre in the same way that zombie films, like Fido is a zombie movie, but it's not fucking Night of the Living Dead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a comedy, but it's still recognizably a zombie movie. Uh, 28 well, Days Later is a zombie movie. There's no zombies in it. But despite all the, the semantic shit that people get into to it, I think you'd have to be a fucking moron to watch 28 Days Later and not recognize that it's a zombie movie. Well, and there are other things uh, that feed into uh, that feed into the noir cycle, too. Things like the gangster movie and mm-hmm. the popularity of Pulp Fiction, which yeah. uh, is a lot of what draws into into the books we read today is is mm-hmm. like a like a pulp like a Pulp Fiction revival of sorts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of that, I think, comes out of the uh, French New Wave because people think of the French New Wave as high art films, but a lot of the French New Wave, the thesis behind the auteur theory that they made wasn't that art film. It, it was rather that you could find connective threads between directors' work as a primary author within certain cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they often found it in the case of genre filmmakers, because people like like Ford in the westerns or Long in the uh, in the noir, like you could see within this body of work within a genre, you could see the connective thread that that was a, a recognizable signature of them as they started to develop visual and uh, thematic and plot cues. Well, and you know the thing about the thing that I find interesting about noir, and uh, one of the things I've talked to Josh about is how how much of the uh, you know of the of the genre uh, is you know is frustrated by its own constraints because of the code. Mm. There you know so much of it can't be told because mm. of what it you know of yeah. of the of the rules against telling, right? Yeah. So they have to be very subtle. They have to they have to sort of like the bad and, guys have to lose. Yes, for instance, um, and <laughs> because and, it, it was not a legal requirement, but to get your film released, it was basically a requirement and and to preview the the movie that that we're going to watch for next week um there there you have a hard time finding a good guy in here (laughs) you know like it's often how they saw it yeah Yeah. like double indemnity is the same yeah like they're all pretty shitty (laughs) uh, you don't feel as bad about like 
ironic karma happening to people that you don't like think of as good people. Did I tell you? Double Indemnity is my favorite noir, by the way. Did I tell you that I watched? Have you watched uh, Double Indemnity with uh, the commentary track on? I've not. <laughs> one of the one of the commentary tracks has a has a has a film noir scholar talking about Double Indemnity as a as a story of homosexuality. Like that's a common thing yeah. that people will look at uh, code era films. From. Yeah, and and it and it like as as the person sort of builds the case through this through this commentary, I'm like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> this is this is not. Oh my god, it's movie. gay. <laughs> but uh, but I was like I was like I can totally see the point. Yeah, <laughs> you know. And often people make the argument with like the male weepy melodramas. Sure, they're called male, male weepies. <laughs> uh, like your Serkian films. That's funny. Sure. They they are a weird genre to modern eyes because they are basically sort of soap operas with dudes. But <laughs> but but <laughs> a lot of the noir elements carry over into a lot of those stylistic elements carry over into Criminal and Stray Bullets. Obviously influenced by um, these are these are you know two writers uh, and an artist who. I'm sure you know have have uh, engaged with this media fairly regularly. Brubacher devotes the back half of his comics to essays about yeah. these fucking films. So yeah, he's he's clearly deeply enmeshed in the genre. Yeah. All right. So, oh, do you do you have someone? No, I think that's all the theory that we need to. Cool. Well, <laughs> that, I think that sets it up perfectly, unless you have other stuff. Because no, I've set you up three times, and <laughs> well, in no, the no, same no, no, way no, no. that Josh set me up, and I haven't taken the baton. You're doing no, no, no. You're I doing wanted, much the same. No, no, no. I, all, all of that stuff is really important because it, it really lays the ground for work. Excuse me for what I want to talk about, which is the the pacing and the framing that comics force upon the reader basically so like when you look at criminal what in the hell are you talking about all right uh obviously our our faithful viewers can't hear this but would you just like hold if you look at criminal when you flip through the entire book is laid out in the same exact size of panels there's three layers to it and it's split up yeah and it's split up more often than not in like uh, what would be six or eight panels and well, straight it's bullets. Not, it's not on, let quite watched, okay, but it is and I'm the same po- vertical height. Sorry, yeah. just, uh, no, I just wanted to point out the gutters are extremely large and criminal. Yeah. The, uh, you don't have what you have a lot of times in modern comics where a character might break out of a gutter yeah. or something like that. A, the character stays explicitly within that uh, frame. And I think the breaking the frame thing is something that artists like, uh, just off the top of my head, Bill Watterson was one of those people that fought for a really long time about like comic strips in the paper needed to have more space to play with than just four panels because you can say more interesting things. But we spent a while talking about noir and how you can subvert that based on the type of things that you associate with the genre. And then criminal... I think McLeod would say about the gutters that the the stark separation between the panels imposes a sort of trapped feeling. Yeah. Which, and I think this is sort of where you're going. You can sort of project that into film noir techniques. In the, for instance, in film noir, the camera will often lead the subject. Yeah, and as so opposed to subject leading camera, by which I mean the camera will be a little ahead of where somebody is walking, and uh, thus indicating a sort of predestination. 
Which is another thing we already sort of talked about. Yeah, <laughs> and we talked about it for, uh, or we mentioned it for, or started this discussion for criminal, but straight bullets is very, very similar in that it also has very strict and explicit uh, panels and gutters. And more so for stray bullets, uh, consistently there are exactly eight panels on every single page. There, there are some differences where it blends it, but it's one of those things. Like here at the start of this one, there's not eight panels, but there's two. It's still split up in that it's, three quadrants, top to bottom. I think usually it's first and last pages on stray bullets. They'll break out into widescreen. So a book that's as big as stray bullets that you're wanting to tackle, like Josh said earlier, might take you a week to read it. But well, as you read the individual comics, it, you can focus on each individual panel, the background details as much as you want. But the writer and the author, in the case for Stray Bullets, the one-person team, is guiding you exactly the way that they want you to like take look in. Look at the brickwork on that panel. Yeah. Um, a lot of people point this out uh, with Watchmen. That's Watchmen right. is mostly yeah. nine panel grid and then you know mm. so when some things flash pages when things start to go and when go sideways that's when it starts to break out of panels yeah and things like that and so, you read yeah. it and you do you develop your own internal rhythm of like okay this is how the character like the story beats are going like you get an establishing shot you you know a character needs to say something and you continue but for both of these comics do a really really good job of the comics thing that is hard to translate to other media which is they set you up in that rhythm and then they use your own rhythm not against you necessarily but to hit those story punches even harder because you'll either get the last gut punch on like the last panel or the second to last panel or you'll turn the page and immediately it's that oh shit like this is what you didn't see on the last page like that forced page turning I think is also something that Scott McCloud I think talks about for yeah. for comics being different than other medium yeah, well I think in the, in the reproducible like the, the panels that are all the same within the, the journal pages even without the breakout panels mm-hmm. uh, I think it, again I think it builds tension into into this sense of foreboding which is I think very important to these kinds of stories like criminal uh, coward is about Things catching up to this guy. Like it's about mm-hmm. this guy who's led this this clean, this life that's oddly clean for a criminal. Mm-hmm. But uh, but there's this woman that he gets sucked into the cape. He gets sucked in. The, basically, the story of it is there's one last caper. It's the one last caper yeah. story. It's a very yeah, common one last story. Exactly. Um, but he gets sucked into his one last caper because uh, partly because of his, his his relationship with this uh, this his his father's former partner uh, who raised him after his father went to prison. Uh, and who is now uh, in a, a really fucked up and amazing bit of writing? Who is a, a heroin junkie with Alzheimer's? Yeah. And and at one point he's asked like, why don't you just help him kick? And then he's like, that would be hell, and he wouldn't even know why. Well, yeah, that was the thing like, that I thought was like, just let the crazy. fucking guy live what's left. <laughs> um. But so he's 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 in, to some degree he's enmeshed with this guy, and he wants money to get him cared for because he's difficult. Uh, but also, there's the, a woman that comes from his past, who the femme whose brother he got, he arguably got killed. Mm-hmm. 
uh, who, who so sucks him into the job. So he has all of this guilt because he is a survivor and how it yeah. has affected, like, basically the people around him. And then it's almost like just adding more and more weight to the yeah. whetstone or whatever around your neck. Because it's just like, oh, fuck, I have to take care of this guy because I yeah. screwed up this situation or my dad died because yeah. of this. And then he has to help the woman when the job goes south. And he has to help right. her daughter when the woman is shot. Yeah. But... The cool thing about it is there's even a deeper one, the deepest one, where you eventually find out. Like, his dad went to prison for killing a guy uh-huh. and died in prison. And his whole life is to avoid being like his father and to not be this, one of these careless, bloodthirsty people. But we find out that he actually killed the person yeah. when he was a kid. And his dad went to jail for him. Yeah. And he talks about, like, that, again, even when you look at the cover, since we're, we're, we already set up top, we're into spoilers, but I think it's so interesting, the whole, everybody else uses the denotion of coward to be like, oh, this is the guy who is uh, uh, running away, like, he gets away, so he must be a coward, but his own internalization for why he is a coward is, like, guns are too, like... Uh, it was too easy for me to kill a person. I feel like I would that would be my slippery slope. And I see all of this like drug usage and how it's literally the slippery slope that's going to kill people. And then uh, you know you're using guns. You finally like start doing the things that you quote unquote think you need to do to rise to the occasion. And yeah. you're probably going to end up getting shot. Yeah. And even then, like it ends with him not getting to have that heroic sacrifice exactly. to go out in a blaze because at the end he's like dying's too hard to do too. He gets he's going to go to jail now. He's going to be like his father probably and die in prison. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if he ever comes back in later volumes. I don't remember if this uh, character does, but uh, I think the character from the second volume. Does. Yeah, I have an older edition I think than Cody's. I have an icon edition. I'm not yeah, sure ours is this is, is image. This image. Yeah, I thought they went to image eventually. Yeah. Uh, I actually really like the cover on mine more. Sorry, yeah. I sound like I'm shitting on yours. No, 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 no. I, I mean, I didn't buy this one, but he has a, a, a literal smoking gun pointed at the reader on mine. But it, yeah. it does kind of. It's interesting where it's like, it's kind of a double entendre, and it's also burying the lead, but it's also a misnomer of the whole. I don't use gun things, blah blah yeah. blah. But that one I do like. Also, just the looking over your shoulder, and it's just it's it's the character in pro, like from the back looking over his shoulder, the main character. Uh, heavy shadow. All the text on it was in Saint cursive, except uh-huh. for the, the introduction part at the bottom and the word criminal, a criminal at the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I really love about it, though, is that almost all of this is black. Yeah. Like, 80% of the fucking cover that, is just black. That pops a lot. It's it's such a great use of, of negative space and darkness on a cover. And just the contrast of him looking back and that cursive word coward over the back is just fucking gorgeous to me. So, one of the things I have enjoyed about both, like, that I'm not sure who, if it's Phillips or Brubaker, one of them insists, but the spines, too, which is ridiculous, I know, but like I said, I, you know, I I put these things on shelves a lot of times. The spines match on both the icon, they they run through the, yeah, right there, and then Criminal is set across the spines on the image volumes with the numbers as well, sort of, and it creates kind of its own composition that and it, that is, I know, ridiculous and nitpicky, but something oh, that man. like bothers me if it doesn't match. Yeah, one hundred percent. And and goddamn DC changing I, their dude, logo, trans fucking like, metropolitan, three times in like ten years caused 
a lot of these uh, a lot of these problems with where you can't mm-hmm. like match up your spines on your books. <laughs> Yeah, I care less about this stuff than, than other people, but <laughs> but clearly, it's <laughs> yeah, no, that it is definitely a thing that like I, I'm the same way. I like getting books. I like having them on my shelf to reflect on them, and it's the same thing of like when something is going to go into printing. I already know the re-releases of Trans Metropolitan started when Vertigo was still a thing, yeah. and Vertigo's not a fucking thing anymore. So I've already like I've seen You've the new one, prepared but I've mentally prepared coming. where I'm like I already know it's <laughs> not going to say Vertigo, that. it's going to say Black Label. But I was like, they're, I don't Jesus. think that they're going to. I, I just know that it's the exact same. It's the third book in this release that's offset specifically, so you can't finish it with the old ones. You have to buy all of the new ones to get it in the without like doubling up basically. But I just know because there's a different company and brand now, they're going to change the spine up. Have you noticed at, uh, at our work that we have two different editions of the Sandmans? Yes. And oh, my God. Me yeah. Every time and I they look jump at it. up and down. But yeah. those ones are at least, you know, collected See, that's the what same I'm saying. way. <laughs> yeah. But uh, I will say it. Another mention of Transmet on our show, the greatest comic we've never done. I bought a, uh, <laughs> I bought a, a Spider Jerusalem action figure. Oh, somebody brought those. somebody brought one in, and I've already taken it out. We had a we, we had a plan, but I, I, I pivoted I away from why. it to use to, to do transmet on the shows. Yeah, <laughs> I don't understand why people get action figures and don't open. I, I get people collectible, etc. I don't care about collectability. I want a fucking action figure on my work desk. <laughs> well, I don't. Exactly. I mean, I don't know if transmet is ever going to get translated into any other media, so I don't know how collectible. Man, they've it actually... tried for so long, yeah. but yeah. I think I think that is. I just suspect gonna... Warren Ellis is a pain in the ass. That's that's my guess, but it would be tough to do. Although Free like, Angels just did get uh, optioned, so. And I'm sure transmit has been optioned several times. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if it'll ever get made. Like, just. I don't know that it could get made and look like it does in the book sure. because there's yeah. such dense composition. It's Robinson on that, right? Well, you would also like. I, I feel like for me, it would have to have like a a Del Toro type direction. You know, like mm. you couldn't. Mm. I don't think you could do it separate of like a snatch or something like that, and having that kind of like quick. You know, uh, uh, you're looking at. Did I pick the wrong the, director? Yeah. That was uh, uh, Guy Ritchie. Was Guy Ritchie, Smash. thank you. I meant, yes, uh, Del Toro was in it. That's what I, yes. Guillermo okay. Del Toro, yeah, yeah. not the director. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. I fucked all over. No, sorry, Benicio. Benicio, yeah. Benicio not Del Toro. Like, Del Toro you said, all right, I fucked the, it up all over the place. We have untangled the web. We, yes. Yeah, yes. We have well, cut through Gordian, the Gordian knot. Now you, now you know how my brain works a little bit. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen did um, the soundtrack. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, Guy Ritchie. I don't know if you could separate... Uh, you know, something like Transmet from a Guy Ritchie type. Yeah. You know, uh, quick cuts and things like that. Not because of its action, but because of its sort of inaction in some ways. Also, if you do it as a movie, do you have to do the thing now where you make your movie with plans for sequels? Or do you try to stretch it out into a series on a streaming service? Or do you decide to instead pick one of the, like, several incredibly relevant and like applicable uh, arcs or topics and then just do that as one movie like there or do something completely different but with the right. same character oh. as somebody else's like new spin on spider jerusalem yeah no i'd hate that 
Right. Not want. How would you? How would you even do that? He went back <laughs> to the mountain, but now he's back for the second time. Oh, God. <laughs> would, the only thing I could think of to make the world of that would be to make it heavily CG, and I just don't know that that would look quite right. Oh yeah, yeah. it need it would need to be practical too, and people don't want to do that anymore either. And, and that's part you of the, have that density. Yeah, you I was that about density to say of background with practical. There's so yeah, it's just not possible. That's part of the it would the cost per episode would be fucking insane. Yeah. It would end up looking like a new Star Trek, which is still just like two two shiny looking did, cities and things like that. Did uh, did either of you guys do the Preacher? Yeah. TV show. Uh, I watched the first season of it and part of the second. I've what? Yeah. How did it I, translate? I, I like it better than the comic. Cause yeah. I never actually cared for the comic. I and much. I know that's blasphemy to, for some so that's people. That's entire. I mean, I but, guess it would be entirely possible then for Transmet to carry that way. But it's it would it, have to be different. That's what I say. Preacher, I think the TV show works because it's different from the comics. But it's that same. It, it, yeah. The way that Preacher is told in the comics doesn't make sense for people who don't have any idea what the character is. To just start that series. I think the same people do The Boys on Amazon, which the first season of which was pretty good. I yeah, uh, well, two uh, and shining also, examples of better shows than the subject material. Well, I think they both managed to do what you, the best thing to Maybe do when adapting, sure. which is taking the thematic thematics of the work and updating them for a different media and different time. Yeah, yeah. Because Preacher great. needed to be... Preacher was... Out of out of time, <laughs> it was. Uh, yeah. It was from it was from a time long ago, and it was maybe not have played quite as well. And I feel like the team adapted that fairly well. Boys was a bit more contemporary, but still wouldn't. It had a sort of manicness to it that plays in comics, but I don't think like sure. like when the Watchmen movie came out and they changed it from the Squid to Doctor Manhattan irradiating everything. Right. Yeah. Uh, some people. I guess complained about that. Yeah. But a giant squid in comic book movies right now wouldn't fucking work. Sure. The comic book movies as they exist currently as a trend are if by, a bit if by more some real world. Complaining, you mean Alan Moore. Um, <laughs> Alan Moore's complained about the existence I'm, I'm just of kidding. it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think he complained about anything specific about it. You'd have to have watched it for that. To circle it back, um, I wonder how these would then translate know, if they if I mean if you uh, could do some neo noir business with this stuff or if you would... these would translate super well. Yeah. You could almost do like a Sin City, like fucking panel to screen shit on this. Well, I was thinking about that too, about so how on criminal, maybe on stray bullets. Like you think of something like crime thriller, you think of noir, and in your head you have all these ideas of what it takes to make that thing. But then you're like, oh, these are the shining examples of does that thing, but does it in a unique way, or does it in the same way, but like in a way that sticks out in your mind? And I feel like that's how these books are. Is like if you are thinking of criminal as like watching a movie it's you know we've seen matchstick men you've seen well, movies like that but like this would because like i'm sitting here and i what i keep circle on the drain on while you're talking is a uh, true detective yeah. you know uh, because yeah. that's that's what this would almost necessarily have to be like yeah but like was the audience like true detective was the audience not ready for that kind of show is that no like... that's uh the audience thought it was a different show yeah mm-hmm. Like, the initial audience thought, because they're fucking illiterate, that it was a Lovecraft mythos show. Yeah. <laughs> and they were very, very wrong. Because, <laughs> like... Because it never was. Well, people and were P.S. super disappointed Fucking by King in Yellow was by Chambers, you dicks. <laughs> wow. It wasn't by Lovecraft ever. <laughs> oh, my. Uh... So shove that up your carcosa. 
What just happened over there? <laughs> I haven't read my Lovecraft book in a long time, but I, I don't. I think that's just leaning into Josh's point. Okay. <laughs> that everybody associates tentacle or like abject cosmic horror with him. But um, well, I mean, they were part of the same group, and, and Lovecraft would use chambers like yeah. Hester and stuff like that, and King in Yellow. Mm-hmm. But it originated in a book by a different guy called. Well, Robert I mean, you know, Pulp Fictiony, though. You know, it's it's Pulp Fictiony sort of stuff, and yeah. and I mean, that's what True Detective. Seemed like to me reached for a little bit was big budget mm. pulp fiction again, you know, um, in a way that I would hope that if these things got translated to media, they would they would be able to, you know, do that. Uh, but like as I was talking, I I started to like speculate as to whether or not stray bullets would work better as an adult cartoon. <laughs> like, oh, do you, what are you? Black and white, horseman like, or you know, might be interesting. Yeah, it might have been interesting back in the MTV days. Sure, like in that. Well, with the, the Max and shit like that. Well, the the arc we read for sure, but I mean, if you want the, I mean, not self serious. I don't want to say that, but like, if you want a like a quote unquote adult cartoon taken seriously that doesn't get its adult title just because it has like breasts or like swearing in it, but just the fact that like the yeah, subject subject material well, boobs is, and swearing. is well this has that too. <laughs> Box checked. Like uh, I think Adult Swim does a really good job of handling like you think of them as like the comedy stuff, but I mean they just did Gendy Tartovsky's like primal series. <laughs> They're producing Uzumaki. Like I think they could if you if, for the way that you're talking yeah. about it as like an animated thing for stray bullets you do an anthology like i mean you're basically setting yourself up if you want for like years and years of uh like content that pay, yeah. that shit was crazy yeah i was i was about to point out like um with the art um when Sean Phillips does these sort of like painted interludes like that used to bother me when I when I read these through the first time. Like that was hard to deal with in mm. in my first go through. Like I get I like I've gotten used to it or I like it now one or the other. But but uh, I remember you know reading this the first time five or ten years ago whatever and and just being like okay you know like stick with one art style please like my brain can't handle you know. <laughs> I feel like it works when it's to a point which sure. is. In this one, it's uh, we get it. Well, the 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 woman of the story is uh, has been shot and is hallucinating, mm-hmm. uh, and we suddenly get this painterly thing where it's very abstract and dreamy, yeah. uh, which works okay. It is a little cheesy. Jarring <laughs> is what it was. I well, think, and the yeah. juxtaposition with like it's on the right half of the open page and then the left half. A does a really good job of that whole like framing device where it's like the first one is three panels and it's hey you're not dying on me somebody's bleeding out in the car and they're like it's not diamonds and then the second row is like the, a, a panel just saying repeating it the score wasn't diamonds and you finally see they stole a fucking briefcase full of heroin and so clearly the characters already have been introduced to this before but then the juxtaposition on the next page is, is this person having like one of these spider person and I'm flying with butterfly dreams because yeah. they're a junkie. Well, yeah. Or were at one point. Michael Gatos does this a lot too, like in mm. in the in um Gatos. 
in uh, like uh, alias Guys, and like, things like that. Fucking hell when he was a kid. Yeah, yeah you. It is a thing that happens a lot. So. Of Don't they bring in Alex back from time to time too, or is it just covers? Uh, for alias. Yeah. Uh, uh, like alias, like the TV show, or is it David, David Mac? Mac? Thank it, you. It was a Mac. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. was mixing it up with the TV show. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> it's a Mac. Yeah. Look, I'm I'm lucky that I remember these artists' hey, names. Hey, anymore. look, man, <laughs> you got the directors, I got the comic guys. We're all right. <laughs> I'm I'm a writing focused guy. It's, it's yeah. I'm glad that at this point I remember any of these people. Fucking artists. Last yeah. Nights. Uh, David Mack did the covers for the Alias series, uh, and uh, David Mack, who uh, I've been pushing Kabuki on anybody who will hear me out on this uh, recently. So, did he ever do interior for Alias though? Or they did a they did like one issue where he switcherooed. I thought I remembered that. <laughs> yeah, I'm just always happy when I remember shit like that. Yeah, like yeah, I'm not totally senile yet. All right, do we want to yeah. talk about pricing? Oh yeah, sure. Um, uh, I have the old icon of Coward for fifteen bucks. Uh, the new one is fourteen ninety nine. It's the same price. Yeah, same same amount of content. Brubaker never did the nine ninety nine stuff on the Criminal. He, yeah, he. I think he is actually outspoken against it in some I, ways. I don't like that people are against it. We've we've, we've had our say about that. Yep. I would have preferred this at nine ninety nine, and it would have been a great intro. It's a good book. Yeah, it's like four uh, issues, right? Six. And republish your fucking back matter, guy. Yeah. I'll, I'll buy a fucking trade of it. Yeah. Well, I don't care. I'm, I'm a weird film nerd. I will buy a volume of weird noir I, criticism. I'm not Pat 100% Oswald. sure. I think the... I wouldn't swear to this, so don't don't quote me on this, uh, dear listener. But I think that uh, the oversized volumes might have different back mattery stuff in it. But it's even worse. <laughs> Got to select them compounding all. the fucking problem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for the uh, stray bullets Uberalis edition, uh, which is what uh, what we both have apparently, um, but it is, it is sixty. Uh, mine is sixty. Unless which is forty yeah. issues for sixty bucks, which uh, forty one is, is a steal. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's like a buck fifty an issue for. Amazing comics. It it is black and white, so it takes a little getting used to. But um, the printing is fine on it too, though. Like the yeah. paper, you don't yeah. see. Like here's a page of all black, and it doesn't. It well, does. It takes a little example. getting used to. I don't know if you know this, but there are comics that aren't superhero comics. Right. <laughs> it's not all just capes and tights anymore. Oh right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the reason why I'm saying it takes a little getting used to, though, is uh, the most 1995 he, thing I've ever heard in my life. He also. Uh, he also changes art styles uh, throughout, which is another thing that reminded me of Demo. Like, he, he has yeah. this pretty consistent sort of thing, but then occasionally in different issues will, like, you know, run it a little more, you yeah. know, dense or run it a little more anime style or something. And I do think that a fair amount of it feels like laugh I'm getting better. Yeah. Too. Sure. Like, if, if you want to, you'll, you'll find books like this from time to time. Uh,. Like speaking of Junji Ito, like if you ever read his Tomie collections, he's been doing Tomie for a long time, and you definitely see Junji Ito growing as a fucking artist mm-hmm. as you read through all his different stories for it. Like he starts out not bad, but much more primitive than he eventually ends up. 
there uh there are stray bullets uh volumes uh if you heard earlier in the show me and josh arguing over which volumes come first uh (laughs) the one uh the one that is the very first volume of stray bullets is titled innocence of nihilism (laughs) then there are three other ones after that then it's killers then it's uh sunshine and bullets i hate to tell you this there are four other volumes before killers Oh, Innocence of Nihilism, Somewhere Out West, Other People, Dark Days, and Hijinks and Daring Do. They might only collect it. I think there are only four. I think this is split up into four soft covers, but I wouldn't swear to it then now it, that you said that. So. It might be in, in soft covers split yeah. that way. That's just what yeah. it's divided as here. I understand. Um, so not trying to fight. <laughs> <laughs> like hell you're not. Uh, but, uh, but there are, uh, those are, I think, nineteen ninety nine a piece or something, so those are also reasonably priced, uh, if you don't want to jump into the Uberalis edition. Are they in print now? Because I think a lot of Absolutely. them were out of print for a while. Yeah, they were out of print. Uh, when, when, they, when he moved over to Image, I think he keeps it all, because, uh, okay. like I said, I've tried to keep this one on our shelves at the store, so. It is a masterwork comic. Yeah. Definitely. So and we've lost Cody to the future issues <laughs> here. Yeah, I know. You'll get lost. It's, it's I literally saw, I opened it just to look at it, and then I, I immediately, I was on like the last page of one, and I just started, and I just started reading the next one. It, it is 60 bucks, but this is an AFI Top 100, if not Top 10 comic. Yeah. So, you know, 60 bucks is pretty reasonable for that, especially given how much of a fucking brick. and Yeah. It, it will be a substantial amount of time to get through. Oh, and like, I mean, Marvel or somebody else read. is going to charge you sixty for like half of this too. Marvel will charge you sixty bucks for fucking six issues. And <laughs> if you want to be the cool friend that's ahead of the curve on something that will eventually probably end up being a TV show or whatever, this is uh, <laughs> this is that you know. Yeah. Um. So. Anything. I. Anything about you talking about as a really quickly back talking about it as a fucking cartoon? I do. I see where it could be that, but to me, it's like an HBO prestige miniseries. Yeah. Especially that arc where it's all taking place at that like holiday house they all converge on, and yeah. it starts to go. Well, bad. I've been watching that. Oh, oh that, just, I can yeah. see the previews for it, like yeah. slow pans over sand and shit like that. I've been watching the uh, McMillions uh, documentary that HBO is doing, and mm-hmm. as as I've been watching it, it's one of those things where it's just like. Damn, they're doing a really, really good job with this, but the story has been out there. I was kind of bummed that I was like, oh, this would make a really good, like, comic book or, like, sure. even just, uh, you know, whatever, uh, like a true crime movie instead. But, like, the documentary series has been pretty good we so didn't. far. We'll write a comic about it. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, true. I have my perpetual, Minora kind of, of in the back of the perpetual comic that I want to write. Moon Patrol? <laughs> no. The, oh. the actual one. Oh, no, sorry, yes. Burrito 911. Stripper lawyer? Or stripper no, judge? Stripper judge. It's a, it's a, it's a dual bio-comic about Frederick Wortham and uh, William Gaines. Oh, interesting. Oh, now you put it out oh, there no. in the world. <laughs> no one's going to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to do the legwork? Um, there's supposed to be a movie about Gaines or Wortham at some point, but I don't... You know, I don't know. I, I remember hearing about it a couple of years ago, and now I don't remember where it got off to. So. I get vanished. <laughs> a lot of films, people... Just whenever you see those rumor well, sites, made. they're all like, there's supposed to be a Robotech... There's, Robotech was a big one for a while. Elijah Woods is attached to a Robotech project. And I was like, do you know how many films don't get made? Did they <laughs> Did they ever make that Stan Lee uh, as, a, as a super agent movie? I don't think so. 
Well, he's dead now. Anyway. No, he wasn't actually. <laughs> would be, you'd have to weaken that Bernie's it now. Hang on. <laughs> we we jumped for the easy low hanging fruit. I know. Right I know you're trying to say that it was before he died. No, 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 no. But I'm superseding it with the idea of a fucking weekend. No, <laughs> no, because it wasn't a. It wasn't starring him at all. It was starring like I thought it was Leonardo DiCaprio attached to it. Oh, for a minute. playing like Young I see what you say. Yeah, as as, as, a, as a Marvel as a Marvel Comics guy who is also a secret agent working against like which. Like the I can't thing, imagine I wouldn't have heard well, it came out. <laughs> well, when we were doing GNN, we talked about it a little bit. But but my problem with it was that, like, uh, Stanley's life is interesting enough without adding the layer of like yeah, that's entirely secret agenty to it. You could, I mean, you could have Oscar contention with a story about Stanley's life. Yeah, like like the superhero thing would probably be the least interesting. Yeah, to take on so it. you don't you don't need to layer uh, you know the nonsense on top of it. Just do a just do a biopic of Stan Lee where like <laughs> you know he's a he's a Jew in 1930s New York trying to figure out how to make ends meet and and mm-hmm. becomes a you know a world famous huckster because of it. <laughs> you know, yeah, like world famous huckster Stan Lee. You're right. That's mm. honestly exactly how I describe him. No, it's very accurate. That, that was my epitaph the day he died. Uh, like, yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, do you want to do? Because people at people like, oh my god, Stanley! Like I had like I had like thir- I woke up that morning with like thirty texts and like yeah. ten or fifteen damn Facebook messages. Like, did you hear about Stanley? And I was like, I was like, no, because I just woke up. <laughs> like. What did he do this time? And then died is the thing he did. But, <laughs> you know, um, did I want to? Do we want to do our favorites of the week? Oh, yes. Yeah. Favorites I'm going to do three because yes. I had one that I keep pushing and one that came up right before oh, my we, people got here. Yes. Uh, the one that I keep pushing is Macross 7. Oh, yes, you do. Um <laughs> No, I, I kept I, I kept meaning for that to be my favorite thing of the week the last couple times we've done this, and mm. I ended up replacing it with other things. But <laughs> I'm going to finally fucking do Macross 7, which I have on a totally super legal edition. Uh, Cody can verify how completely legal yes. this edition looks. This looks this looks very not printed by a printer. It is certainly not a piece of paper for its cover, and and certainly the DVDs do not. Uh, you couldn't scrape off the fucking cover. I would verify <laughs> as somebody nail. who works in a video store quite frequently that uh, this looks legit. Much legit. Much legit. Uh, because it's not available in the U.S. for reasons that have to do with uh, with Robotech and are very complex. Um, and I won't get into that because that's a fucking... I, we did a show about that. <laughs> you can like sure. smell the um, ink. Yeah, you, it is very clearly <laughs> super legit DVD set. <laughs> Much legit well, well, I mean, it is Blu-ray, right. so at least that's a little harder to. For you some you had some pirate who put some work into it. It's a nice set. Huge for a, fake for a by set. far. I have no complaints about it. I'll tell yeah. you this too: the, the image quality, very good. Nice. Far better than the Malaysian totally legit DVDs Man, that I have. You should cross. you should see or you should have seen how expensive it was going to cost for. Uh, DVD bootleg rips of the goddamn Anne of Green Gables Canadian TV show that uh, uh, had to price for somebody. Did you see that? Were you there that day? No, I. Oh could. my! Literally, like I thought. Like, I thought. Yeah, this is a ninety dollars set. So 
Oh, that was $90 I was it's, holding in my hand? It's like 50 episodes in a couple movies. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, but still. Um, Macross 7 is about this uh, space colony fleet that's heading out from Earth. Uh, where they all have this in the future where you have jets that turn into robots. This is, a, um, this is his way of sticking it to Kyle, by the way. You don't, yeah. you don't, you don't know this, but... That's right. Kyle is wrong. This is the best anime. <laughs> um, they're being attacked by these aliens that want to drain people of something called, like, spiritua or some fucking, some fucking word that Japanese people made uh, up for life power. Precious shit. bodily fluids. You know, Gaia, Performa, whatever the fuck you call it in any of these things. <laughs> it's the same shit. It's your shit. They want to drain it. Um, your balls, and, man. And they have to fight to make their way through, but that's not really what the story is about, because the story is actually about a blues rock band named Firebomber, <laughs> uh, whose lead singer... Shift has a, trans, a, a transformable robot jet that he flies into the middle of combat and then launches speakers into the enemies so that he can play his shitty blues rock into their cockpits while they're fighting. Not to, not to damage them or stop them. He just wants to do this. White for age. some reason. <laughs> it makes no sense. It's the best. Uh, it was, I think of all the Macross sequels, it was the best received, and it is, it is really fun, batshit. Uh, my other two things are going to be uh, I watched a music video by a band called The Night Runner for a song called Magnum Bullets which features Dan Abadan of Game Grumps and uh, Ninja Sex Party uh, it's a really great sort of uh, vapor wavy slash neon noirish thing and with a really great if kind of furry music video uh, that I watched wait times. a minute mm. You buried something in there. Well they're, well, they're humanoid animal characters. They're not like fucking or nothing. Hmm. So I'm, yes. I'm willing to First give it a First steps admitting a problem. Also, they all have like Tronny neon shit all over them. So, so that's more like Silverhawks awesome. or more like Thundercats? I would say Silverhawks <laughs> because it's more neon. Uh, okay, yeah, they, that's not very furry then. Okay. <laughs> When they're when they're he other says, animals, like if it's a reptile, they call them scalies, and I don't know what the one for birds is, but that exists I just, too. I don't actually know that one. That, that, that feels like a gap in my knowledge. It's That's the people sad. that want to fuck Cass Look from at, Breath of the Wild. He's, so he's going for his phone right now to figure it out. <laughs> want to fuck birds? Police are on their way. <laughs> so. Or a blink twice if Drax is in danger. Nah, Drax is alright. She, she's bitey. <laughs> that's, that's what makes it good for me. Um, it's a fun music video, and I recommend spending like four minutes of your fucking day to watch a crazy thing. Uh, finally... Uh, we, just, we just talked about it for like eight. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite podcasts, The F Plus, regularly does live events, and they recently posted on YouTube their most recent one, which I've just started watching. Uh, which is a live event where they did a WikiHow reading tournament where they read stuff from WikiHow <laughs> and then other things r- randomly mixed in. Like, including a, one of the randomly mixed in one was an Elon Musk erotic fanfic. Hell yeah. <laughs> so so watch watch the F-plus stuff. If you, if you have a strong stomach for weird and obscene <laughs> shit, because what they do is find stuff on the internet that is... Uh, therefore, their show is terrible things read with enthusiasm, and they they do mean it. <laughs> well, you're, if you're listening to this show, <laughs> you probably would like that. Then uh, it's a bit past. <laughs> we are we are the R to their NC seventeen. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, so I didn't do much this week, as is often the case. 
just you know uh, worked and uh, and applied for work I guess uh, I did watch a movie last night uh, called three on a match have you ever heard of that one Josh it's a uh, it's a it's it's a it's another one of the pre-code movies uh, but I I was I was like watching it and I'm like man this feels so familiar and I was trying to figure out how it felt familiar because I'm like well some of the things like I didn't recognize so I don't know at what point like Warner Brothers like just decided to remake their own movies but uh, it's I'm not sure which one's the remake of which but Broadway Musketeers is uh is a is the same movie but with different actresses because uh, because I also had watched that one like two weeks earlier and I was like I was like oh man so it was a good movie that I have now seen twice um, <laughs> I once started watching a, a low budget horror film called Sideshow that was just freaks yeah <laughs> like, like nice. a remake of freaks uh, I I won't one hundred percent suggest this yet because I haven't watched it. But I did purchase last night Ultra Q, uh, the old the steelbook. Yeah. yeah, so uh, yeah. that that is something I'm going to be watching in the upcoming weeks, and you'll hear me probably gush in this segment about that. Yeah, I think Ora's decided that Ultraman will be the next thing that he annoys his wife with. Uh, do you want to borrow that volume one that we have? Of Ultra? No, I I have it. Oh, okay. I, like, <laughs> Ultra Who do you think you're talking to? Right. Ultra Q gets like like Amazon ads follow me on fucking any website. It's like, hey, remember you looked for yeah. a really long time at all these Blu-ray sets. It's like <laughs> Amazon I did. definitely Amazon definitely is asking about Ultra Q many fucking times. <laughs> yeah, I I mean, uh, so me and uh, slight diversion here. Haha. Um, <laughs> me and uh, <laughs> Tommy Wiseau. Me and uh, so uh, me and my wife. Uh, I went into Best Buy for a moment, and and Josh uh, stayed in the car. And so while I when I picked up, <laughs> that's the, a hilarious no, sentence. I wanted to read my new Warhams book, which will be my thing he, next week. He, <laughs> and I and I was going into Best Buy. Crack uh, the windows for him. <laughs> I totally. I don't know. Oh no! Are you okay? <laughs> I, I don't know. I might have had some brain damage, but you know, it's, it's, how hard would to you tell, tell the difference. There it is. All right. So uh, two roads. Same yeah, we got there. Um, so on the way, as I was ringing out, I said, "Oh my God, Josh is going to freak out that I bought this. He's he's going to love this stuff." And she's like, "She's like, Josh doesn't care about anything." He's not. He's not even gonna react. He's just gonna. He's just gonna say, "Well, that's cool." And I'm like, "I'm like, no way, man. This is something he's gonna be really excited about." And I'm like, "Watch." So we got out to the car, and and I'm like, "Hey, Josh, look what I got." And Josh was like, "Oh, wow. Can I borrow that when you're done?" Blah blah blah. And I was like, "Ha!" <laughs> <laughs> Your wife is close to getting me, but what yeah. she is, is that I only care about things that are terrible or inconsequential. So. Like I don't, I don't care about anything that is serious. Yeah, I only like things that are inconsequential and trivial. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yes, uh, to to answer Josh's critique, uh, Ultraman might be the next thing I'm annoying my wife with because uh, <laughs> dumbass shop factory lost the license or whatever to Super Sentai that I was working yeah. my way through. Oh. So, After Godzilla proved inadequate to. Satiate, you're destroying your wife's will to live. Uh, <laughs> well, yeah. what, well, what happened with Godzilla was I got to the 90s bad Godzillas, oh, and I haven't been able to bring myself to watch another one yet. The 2000s but, are okay. I know, yeah. I know, but there are like, 
there were like six or eight movies they sandwiched in there in the 90s that were just like I watched one and a half of them or something and I'm just like I can't I can't (laughs) like so alright Cody we saved you for last hopefully you got something good I got I got shit um I bought uh I think I I mentioned it earlier I got a sweet transmetropolitan action figure that's always uh if you're interested in comic stuff that's worth checking out really cool uh, my big thing this week has been that board game Root. Damn. Everyone was into... You're, it's weird, you're kind of late on that. Because when that no, game no, no. came out, fucking literally everyone was... No, we're, our, we're, our boss wouldn't let us buy them. He wanted yeah. to sell them. We oh, were, okay. so, we're, we're way late on it because we finally just got another printing of it. And it's already to the point now where, like, for all the videos we had to watch on how to play it, like... Everybody had like mentions like, "Hey, we're including updated rules, but we have our old board game because shit changes so much." Uh, but it's it's really really cool. Uh, very, I would say, steep learning curve, but the the reward is worth it for a really really unique asymmetrical board game. And it's funny because before Root, the first like big board game that I've bought has been Scythe, which has a lot of pieces and a lot of little intricacies, but all of those things are like one to one laid out on the board for you. Versus root is a lot of like knowing the things that you can can't do and the things that you're allowed to do, which seem like things that you shouldn't be able to do. <laughs> like the like just every every character that you would play is wholly and uniquely different from like all the other ones. I mean, not exactly saying that's not how board games work, but yeah. Uh, and the art style is great. That was how, like, uh, my girlfriend uh, says often that she doesn't have, like, the patience for longer board games, so she wasn't uh, super interested in playing Scythe when I first bought it. But just on the way that the Root game looks, I got her to try it, and not only try it, but play it two nights back-to-back. And the game that we played last night was with six people in the expansions, and getting everybody up to speed, and then playing the game, it took four and a half hours. But I have controversial opinions about the art of root. <laughs> we, uh, we just played Pitchstorm, which was very easy and had almost no <laughs> Yeah, I highly recommend Pitchstorm. <laughs> your time is done. <laughs> it's a Cards Against Humanity type thing, only you're pitching movies. Oh, yeah, we did talk oh, about oh, that. Uh, it was super fun. Uh, Harry Packer! The, that would have avoided the controversy last night. <laughs> That's what it was. Yes, Harry Packer, the, ex, the sex caliber. Not Harry Potter the sex caliber. There you go. Harry See? Potter 3. That's what I was <laughs> Ur- Ur- pitched a movie called Harry Potter 3 the sex caliber, and I said, I can't give it to you because we'd get sued. Because it's already a Harry Potter 3. Yeah, well, on the drive home last night, I turned to my wife and I was like, Harry Packer, baby! <laughs> she was like... That is, and, that is no, no, she was. She also Monday morning quarterbacked one of hers. <laughs> like she knew exactly what I was talking about, and she was like, "Yeah, I should have went a different direction with this one." And she proceeded <laughs> to explain a different pitch that she should have went a different direction with. She she seemed to have a lot of fun with it. She doesn't always seem to enjoy those party game things, but yes. she loved that. Yes, I thought, well, it yes. like she uh, she. <laughs> She wishes that she had drawn some different cards. It, that was the... <laughs> That's you always with those kinds of that games. Was, that, was, that was her upset hey, last night. She was like, I wish I had not gotten the cards that kept referring back to things we had done earlier. That gave us the Freaky Friday the 13th running joke. Yeah, so we have Freaky Friday the 13th, the the musical, the... Uh, oh, God. 
Um, and Freaky Friday the 13th, which was sort of a two suicidal fucking horror girls that are switching bodies. <laughs> uh, and so then I think Aura had a card that referred back to another one, which was a musical version of it. And then Elizabeth had one that was a spoof of a previous one, so she spoofed the musical God. of this. And then I had one that was a gritty reboot <laughs> of the spoof of the musical of Freaky Friday the 13th. Yeah. Evil Dead. That's what that is. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we, 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 we ate wrong. the snake's tail. <laughs> so, That's um, how Root gets to. I guess if you want to find more of this nonsense, you can go find it at that podcast, uh, productions.fireside.fm. If you want to talk to us directly, there are a couple different ways you can do that. You can go to the Facebook site. You can look it up. That podcast stays up all night. Slumber party. Woo! Yeah. Um, you can also find us uh, at our email address, that.podcast.productions at gmail.com. Uh, you, would, you would then be welcomed in our viewer mail segment, of which... Uh, I'm hoping we have some more of that sooner or later. Um, <laughs> Send us mail. We'll read your mail. We'll read your mail on the air. And, you don't care uh, if you know us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, viewer Christina has yeah. sent us several times. That's what I'm saying. Yes. I think some people might refrain from it because they know us. Yeah. Don't refrain. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> um, so uh, so there's that. Uh, we have uh, an Instagram, uh, HTTP colon... No. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I heard I heard an old man thing, and I looked up <laughs> Inst- Instagram that dot podcast dot productions. You, you can Cody, tell an old where's man's the Twitter buddy? just from listening. <laughs> yeah, that that productions or that podcast productions. Uh, and finally, uh, what's coming? We have a couple of different shows, Josh, that we do. We got all yeah. kinds of fun things coming up for for the for the viewers. What yes. kinds of things are those things? As I search my memory, which is ironclad. And I will absolutely remember for Your memory sure. sounds like a notebook. a notebook. My memory does. It's a weird, it's a genetic, you know, it's a genetic disorder, and I really don't appreciate you calling attention to it. <laughs> wow, Cody. Really insensitive. I'm, I'm so sorry. Week from today, we will be dropping an episode of That Podcast Stays Up All Night, the only podcast with the chutzpah to take on the movies of USA Up All Night. Uh, this movie will be Caveman, and it may be the end of us. That'll Go. do it. Let's, let's shut the door on this project, huh? Assuming we don't die, then a week from that we'll be doing a further ado where we do some sort of media related to the stuff we do on that podcast we'll never do, which you might recall from an hour ago, is some comic books about crime. So we're doing a movie about crime called City That Never Sleeps. Not The City That Never Sleeps. Or we'll apparently have an amusing story about that. Oh, let's let's not overstate amusing. Um, And we'll apparently have... A story that will eat up some airtime about that. That. That's a lot closer, really. <laughs> and isn't that what we do every week? Who's our logo by, Cody? Our logo is by Abby. You can find her at Rosari Art Instagram. It's R-O-Z-A-R-I-A-R-T. You're totally commissioner because our work was awesome. Yes. We have Agreed. a sister podcast. Any any words about that, Josh? God, we have so much shit now. Uh it's Girls Talk Comics, which is not, as you might think, a podcast by the members of the band Girl Talk, but <laughs> actually a comic, a, a comic book podcast featuring two women who are both very intelligent and fun, and it's very have, short, Have too, been on our show? Which, mm-hmm. Uh, Contest winner Jessica and what, Prostitution Expert Aaron? Yeah, something, yeah, like, that. something yeah. like that. That's been what it has been consistently. Yeah. Um, 
And they're talking about comics. It's a very short podcast, too, from what I understand. Yeah, they, they, do <laughs> bite, they do bite size, not like this one. So if you're looking for something a little different, they're fun. You can find them over on uh, girlstalkcomics.fireside.fm. Uh, Perfect. You guys have anything else you want to wrap up with? I got kind of stuff, but it's not it's not ready yet. Uh, but what just happened? Burying the lead a little bit. Yeah. I might have. Oh my a, gosh! No teaser. That was a teaser. Teaser. A little bit of a teaser. I might have. Is Cody going rogue? No, I'm not going rogue. I might have. Uh, I'm. I might be working on some animation, some short clip it things. On oh, the, that's never going to happen. We're not worried about right, that. Right on the on the uh, follow up <laughs> app to bite. Uh, or follow-up app to Vine, uh, Bytes, from the same people that made Vine. Anyway, no, Vine. nothing yet. Don't don't go looking. Nothing Vine's exists. dead, baby. Vine's dead. It's Bite. Vine rip. There was an episode, there was a name of an earlier episode that we did was Vine's dead, baby. <laughs> Vine's yeah. dead. Vine's dead, baby. It was a reference to... Whose five-second media easy. format is this, sweetie? Vine's dead, baby. <laughs> it's Vine. Who's Vine? Vine's dead, baby. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's that. That's that. Yep. Just fizzling out. Yep. Two hour episode. See ya. Hey Josh, like I got my an career. idea. I got an idea for a heist. Do you want in? Yeah. Does it involve heroin? <laughs> <laughs>